You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Wait, just stop right there. There probably should be a selah there. There isn't. I'm going to put one there just for a moment, if you don't mind. The Lord delivers us out of all of our troubles. Even when we get ourselves in trouble, the Lord will deliver us out of all of our troubles. You might see it as your noble duty to stoically suffer through consequences of your poor choices. But in the kingdom of God, that's not how it works. As Pastor J.D. explains in today's message, our Father loves to step in and take even the poorest of our choices and transform them into victories for His glory. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 34 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. This psalm is about that. So it says, who Abimelech drove him away and he departed. You think? So here's the psalm. Verse 1. I will bless the Lord. See, when you know the backstory, it really kind of, you know, fills in the blanks. He is so grateful. He is so thankful. He is praising God for what God did, getting him out of this mess that he had gotten himself into. Verse one, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all of my fears. He was a dead man. If, the, if he had not feigned madness, and, and been driven away by Abimelech, who doesn't need another madman in his, you know, gates, So he drives him away. Had he not done that, are you kidding me? This is the David that killed the tens of thousands of our Philistines? He was a dead man. And God delivered him. Verse 5, they looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, verse 9, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Can you just picture this? Oh, how amazing would that have been to sit at David's feet later in his years, in an older age? Come here, you guys. I want to tell you about the time that I 
I fled to Gath, the city of the Philistines, and God just saved my bacon, and I feigned madness, and the Lord delivered me. I was as good as dead. Oh, let me tell you about the Lord and His goodness, and let me teach you the fear of the Lord. Verse 12, who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Ah, that's interesting in verse 13, isn't it? Because see, David was being very deceitful. His, lo- his lips had spoken deceit. He had to lie. That he was not, no, I'm not, you think I'm David? Oh, come on. <laughs> you know. No. Verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Wait, just stop right there. Probably should be a selah there. There isn't. I'm going to put one there just for a moment, if you don't mind. The Lord delivers us out of all of our troubles. Even when we get ourselves in trouble, the Lord will deliver us out of all of our troubles. Verse 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. This is what one has called the blessing of brokenness. You know, in, in our way of thinking, we devalue broken things. We throw away broken things, but not in God's economy. God desires a brokenness, a broken heart, a humble heart, a contrite spirit. I think about all of the times in scripture where the blessing came after the brokenness. I think about Gideon. The victory came after the clay vessels were broken, making this very loud sound. And then it threw the enemy, the army, (laughs) of the Medeanites, 135,000 strong, into utter chaos, thinking that the Israelites outnumbered them tremendously. And the blessing came after the brokenness. I think about Jacob. He wrestled with the Lord. This was a Christophany, what's known as a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. That was Jesus that Jacob was wrestling with. All night. And he's demanding of the Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. Bless me. I want the blessing of the Lord. And the Lord is saying to Jacob, I can't bless you till I break you. And he touched his hip socket and he was broken. And then the Lord could bless him. I think about when Jesus fed the multitudes and he would break the bread and then he would bless it and then he fed miraculously the multitudes. The blessing always comes after the breaking. And one of the things I'm learning in my life and I'm learning it the hard way and I have the scars to prove it, don't fight 
the Lord when the Lord is breaking you. It's a good breaking. It's a good breaking. And the Lord loves those, is near to those who have a broken heart. Just a brokenness that comes and the humility that comes from that brokenness. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, and here it is again, the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. By the way, that's a messianic prophecy about Jesus, that none of his bones would be broken. His body was broken, his skin was broken, but not his bones. Not one of his bones were broken. Verse 21, evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord, verse 22, redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. You know what's interesting is Psalm 34 and Psalm 56, when we get to it, were penned by David about this experience in the Philistine city of Gath. When we get to Psalm 56, I was actually going to read it tonight because it kind of, again, fills in some of the blanks, but in the interest of time, uh, we won't. But these two Psalms, David wrote because this experience, which was, by the way, a life and death experience, it had left such an indelible impression on his life for the rest of his life. You know, one of the things, and I think it kind of gets missed when it comes to David, when we talk about his genuine repentance, his godly sorrow that led to a genuine repentance, you know, he never repeated this sin again for the rest of his life. When he had sinned against God and committed adultery and committed murder, he never repeated that sin again for the rest of his life. This is a true repentance on David's part. And here in this psalm, and again in Psalm 56, as we'll see when we get there, he's articulating the goodness and the grace of God in spite of his folly and failure in fleeing out of his fear of Saul. And that's what I want to talk about. Actually, you know, I want to read just verses 10 through 13 in Psalm 56, because I think it'll kind of be germane to how I want to end the Bible study. Listen to what he says in Psalm 56 about the same experience that he had really learned from. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me. O God, I will render praises to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling? That I may walk before God in the light of the living reason I wanted to at least read that part is because the lesson that David learned from this, this life and death experience there in Gath, was the lesson of worry and fear. And I want to just share, especially for those of you who, by the way, and I've confessed this, this is an area in my life that 
uh, I would say is one of my uh, bigger struggles. I am just, I don't know if it's because of my upbringing. I know that probably has something to do with it, but you know, some of us are just wired with this propensity, this proclivity. Some of us are more like worriers than other people are. Some people just don't, they, they have other areas. <laughs> so don't be, you know, looking at me out of the corner of your eye like, yeah, you sinner. I don't struggle with that. Okay, well, I'll, you know, Lord knows what your struggles are. But mine happens to be in this area. This is an area of, of struggle in my Christian life. And uh, I just, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning. God's really doing a, a work in me, but I just have this proclivity, for lack of a better word, to be kind of a worrier. I, I, I tend to worry. I, I tend to become fearful. So this is for those of you uh, like me that maybe are prone to struggle in this area. There are seven lessons that we can learn here. And the first is this. Worry and fear can dominate our decision-making process. In other words, like David making this decision to flee to Gath of the Philistines, it was a decision that was based in his fear. He, he fled there because he feared Saul. Fear should never be the basis upon which we make any decision. Our decisions need to be based on faith. Not fear. And faith is the antithesis of fear. Here's a second lesson. Worry and fear can give way to lies in order to protect ourselves. And again, this is what David had done. Because he was afraid, he lied. And by the way, uh, this is what we do. We, we lie because we're afraid that if we said the truth that it would be worse than if we lied. It wouldn't be as bad. Well, it's, it's never going to be like that because it's just a matter of time before your sin will find you out, your lie will find you out. But we do so to protect ourselves. And what, what we're saying in doing that is, is that we don't trust that the Lord's going to protect us. I think about when David made this decision and was so deceptive about, you know, who he was to kind of save his skin. Uh, what he was saying is, is that God, I don't trust that you're going to protect me. So I got to take matters into my own hands and I got to lie my way out of this thing. And all the while the Lord's just like, wait, wait a minute, I'm not going to protect you. you. You don't trust me to protect you. That's how powerful Fear can be. Fear is a very powerful motivator. And this is what we see with what David had done. Here's the third lesson. Worry and fear can cause us to, and I'm using this word for a reason, default to the ways of the world. Think about this. David is actually fleeing his brethren, his people, the Israelites, and going into the camp of the Philistines. is is as if he's saying, hey, um, I'll be treated better in the world than I am by God's people. Now before you come down too hard on him, you kind of can't blame him, as we saw tonight in 
one of the Psalms, and there are many Psalms replete throughout the Psalms, where David is just crying out to the Lord, and his own people are against him and slandering him and out to kill him. And so in a, in a way, in all fairness, you can't blame him. But it's kind of like the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt. You know, and, and they had this like selective memory because they were fearful there in the desert and they had this selective memory about what it was like back in Egypt. You know, we had leeks there and we had onions there. You were a slave there. <laughs> you want to go back to Egypt? God's delivered you out of Egypt. David, God delivered you out of the hands of the Philistines. What are you doing going back there? It's that proverb that says that the fool is like that dog that goes back to his own vomit, repeating his folly. And fear can do that. Worry and fear can do that. Here's a fourth lesson. And this is a biggie, and it kind of dovetails into the third one. But worry and fear can create a trap coming from the fear of man. That proverb that says, fear of man is a trap. We can fall into this trap of fearing man and dancing to the beat of the drum played by man. We become a man pleaser. And it's at the expense of being a God pleaser. And that's a trap. That's a trap. The fear of man is a trap. David had the fear of man and he found himself trapped there in Gath of the Philistines. Fifth, worry and fear can lead to ungodly and irrational behavior. Isn't it true that when we're full of fear and we're riddled with worry, that we're not logical, we're not rational. We, we blow things out of perspective. We make, you know, a mountain out of a mohill, as the saying goes. And that's what fear can do. Fear skews our objectivity. That's why it is so important. When I find myself uh, sometimes full of anxiety. And again, I'm prone to it. And I, I just need to get into the Word because I need to re get recalibrated in my mind because I'm not thinking, I'm surely not thinking spiritually. I'm not, I'm not thinking rationally and certainly not logically. I mean, how logical was it? How rational was it for David to <laughs> go to Gath of the Philistines. That, that's what fear can do. Fear can drive us to become irrational. Number six, worry and fear can bring harm and peril to those around us. You know, as we were studying the life of David, one thing that became abundantly clear is that all of David's loyal men suffered alongside of David because of the decisions that David made. I think about when they get back to Ziklag and everything is burned down. They had kidnapped their uh, wives and children. And these are, these are men, man. These are warriors. These are killers, man. These are tough men. And we're told that they just broke down and wept. I mean, they were just, the bottom fell out. 
And it was so bad, they even turned on David, wanted to kill David. This was the, these were the loyal men of David that were with him through thick and through thin. I think we do err greatly when we underestimate the impact that our decisions have on those around us. The decisions we make and the things we do can really impact and harm those that we love. Well, here's a seventh one, and I want to end on this note, because worry and fear can certainly do all of that. But here's one thing that worry and fear cannot do. Worry and fear cannot have the final word in our lives. Worry and fear will not have the final word in our lives. Uh, God had the final word with David, didn't he? God delivered him. I love it, I love it, I love it when David says, God delivered me from all of my fears. All of my fears. You know what that means? David was afraid. I I think of Joshua. Talk about somebody having some really big shoes to fill. Uh, He he, uh, filled Moses' shoes. And I, I... he was prepared for that which was prepared for him alongside of Moses. And then the day came when now Joshua would take over for Moses. And what do we read in that first chapter? But I tell you, if you're one like me who is prone to fear, I really encourage you to spend some time in the first chapter of the book of Joshua. Repeatedly throughout that first chapter of Joshua, God tells Joshua to not be afraid, to be courageous, to be of good courage, be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Do not fear. Why would he say do not fear? Because he was afraid. How about in the New Testament when Jesus would say fear not, let not your hearts be troubled. Why, why would he, how about in the book of Acts when the angel of the Lord appears to the apostle Paul, who is terrified and says to Paul, don't be afraid. Why would he say that to Paul if Paul wasn't afraid? Paul was full of fear. Here's what I'm saying, and here's how I want to end. Um, God knows. God knows. I don't see God just holding our fear against us. He doesn't want us to be afraid, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be those times when we are afraid, but he delivers us from all of our fears, and God will always have the final word when it comes to fear. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds, The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website 
at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. We do treasure our connection with our listeners. We'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.